this season is calling for diverse groups of people to come together and say we may look a little different, we may sound a little different, we may go at this a little bit of a different way, but we have the same intent. We want to reach our communities for Christ. We want to see the church move forward. And so whatever is required of me to make that happen, I'm in. Why? Because we're only as strong as our weakest link. And we are in a real battle where there's real casualties. Life and death is real. Heaven and hell are real. And we need to quit treating the church like it's a Boy Scout troop and start acting like we are Marines. Start acting like we're in the army of God. Start acting like what we do matters. Start taking ownership at the level that God has blessed you. It's the spirit of leading second. We're excited to announce Leading Second Camp, an inaugural event for the Leading Second Tribe. From the second chair, for the second chair. Featuring Brandon Stewart and Larry Bry. Leading Second Camp, March 3rd, 2022, Austin, Texas. Spots are limited. Register now at leadingsecondcamp.com. This is the Leading Second Podcast, where we're on a mission to raise up uncommon church builders and be the kind of leaders our pastors would kill to have on the team. The Leading Second Podcast releases every Thursday morning, so hit subscribe, share this episode with your team, and let's join Pastor Brandon Stewart for another vital conversation for all of us who lead in the middle. Hello, Leading Second. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so glad you're here. And like you heard at the beginning of the episode, Leading Second Camp is coming up soon, and I'm, I'm very excited for it. And I hope to see many of you there. You can come find me. My name's Clark. I'm one of the team members here at Leading Second. And one of the things I love about Leading Second is the community that it creates, because there's people like you and I who are just trying to get it right, in their church, in their city, for their pastor. And so Leading Second Camp is for you. Looking forward to seeing you there. To start today's episode, we're going to lean into some lessons learned from the second chair. So we've brought Dylan Ritchie on, and he's going to give us his top five ways to prepare for a hard conversation. So let's jump in. Hey, Leading Second Tribe, my name is Dylan Ritchie and I'm the Ministry Director at Coast Life Church in Venice, Florida. I wanted to take some time today to give you five ways to prepare for a hard conversation so you can lead well in this area of church leadership. In a generation where we continue to see a divide between what are considered cultural norms and what we know to be biblical principles, conversations around truth continue to become more difficult to navigate. As church leaders, we often face the challenge of having hard conversations with individuals whose understanding of truth differs from what the Bible communicates as the truth. The reality is, as church leaders, we don't have the ability to bypass these conversations. So we wanted to take some time to give you five ways to prepare for them. Number one, be the last to speak. People are more willing to listen to you after they feel that they have been heard. Limit yourself to questions only during the first half of the conversation. Although we want people to see from our perspective, 
we must be first open to seeing from theirs. If we don't know their starting line, we can't help lead them to the finish line. Number two, be tough on issues and soft on people. Be unwilling to waver on biblical truths, but always willing to walk people through their hangups. The Bible says we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, but it also instructs us to let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Lead the conversation with grace and the person to truth. Number three, prepare for the conversation. Gain wisdom on the subject and have scripture references with context. Preparation also includes prayer. Use the resources available to you and always provide a next step for them. The conversation may simply be the seed planted, but a growing seed needs access to water and nutrients for it to grow and produce fruit. Number four, be willing to have the conversation. As church leaders, we carry the responsibility to lead people to truth. If we vacate that responsibility, we run the risk of others leading people away from it. The because we said so reasoning is no longer legitimate in a culture that is skeptical of those in authority. Clarification and elaboration may be necessary. Number five, remember the goal, move people forward. We don't win arguments, we win souls. We don't cut people down, we build people up. We stay mission focused at all times. We lead people to Christ. Remember, you are called to lead for such a time as this. You are the exact leader God has called to lead in the space you are in. Stand firm in what you believe, but grace-filled in how you lead. Lead strong, lead well. I hope this has blessed you today. Have a great week. For today's episode, we're going to hear from Clayton Baird from Celebration Church in Jacksonville, Florida. He's going to talk about his perspective on the second chair and leading in a culture of offense. So let's jump into this conversation. Well, hey, my friend, welcome to the Leading Second podcast today. So glad to have you. I am excited to be here. When I got the invitation, I was just super honored. So thank you so much. Man, so glad I, I'm be honest, randomly ran across you on uh, social. Love your voice. Then I got to you know, do, do the Instagram stock thing. Right. You know, you got to do yeah, that. Like and do. like we all do and found out we had a bunch of mutual friends and I love, um, your story. You're a local church guy. So I, man, I was so excited to have you on for a conversation today. Tell us a little bit about, about, uh, you and your family and your, your, your church and what you do there. Yeah. Um, yeah. My married to my wife, Bethany for 15 years. We have two uh, boys, uh, Jude and Croy, and uh, been here in Jacksonville, Florida, now at Celebration Church for 10 years. Awesome. Uh, before that, we were living in the North Atlanta area. And um, just super thankful. I, I I grew up in a musical family. And so when I got into ministry, uh, worship was my, my front door. So I actually got involved first in worship leading, uh, worship pastoring. Uh, I've done youth and young adult ministry. I've been a campus pastor. I'm a, I'm a teaching pastor now. Uh, overseeing uh, our our global online church community as well, and so I've kind of sat in a few seats and a few chairs right. of local church life. But uh, but I believe in the church, love the church, uh, and I was glad to be raised in the church. And so so this podcast, man, I'm just so grateful for it. As soon as I found out like what leading second was all about, I was like, finally, finally, someone had the vision and they did it. Well, well, yeah, and you get it. I mean, you've been you've been in you know at your church for ten years. I mean, and so you're a vet now. 
and and you get I think you're like me you resonate with the second chair and realize there are unique unique um tensions and uh, challenges that we face in fact that's kind of where we're going to go first today and, and I'd love to hear you get us started today but just talking about what do you love most about leading from the second chair we, we we created this space with leading second to bring dignity and value and give language around you know a second chair perspective so so what do you love most about it yeah when i you know when i caught the the premise of leading second and and the podcast about the second chair i started thinking about it you know and, and I, this might seem like an unconventional answer but um but I think one of the nicest things about the second chair or the third chair or the fourth chair or whatever, whatever right. chair you might be in, that's not the first. Um, right. honestly, I think it's nice that it's a lesser weight. I think mm. that, you know, because for, for everything <laughs> that the second chair might desire, you know, to do ultimately that the first chair gets to do like, Oh man, you know, uh, decision-making power, or vision casting or setting the culture right. or choosing direction. Like maybe, maybe those things don't fall to you right now, but I think we also got to remind ourselves that there's, there's also another weight that comes with being right. in the first chair. Right. And, um, and when you're in the second chair, you know, I, I feel like depending on maybe how a lot of our organizations are set up, you know, but I feel for the most part, you, you tend to get a lot of opportunity, a lot of freedom, a lot of good responsibility, but at the end of the day, it's a lesser weight than what the first chair is, is carrying. So I think it's kind of nice. I think, you know, I'm not going to go. Yeah. No, I am so glad you said that because I, I, you know, I have thought during the last 18 months, I have often thought, man, what a great time to not be a lead pastor. <laughs> <laughs> I, anyway, I, I'm saying that with, with so much honor because I can't, uh, I can't imagine the, the weight that our pastors have carried in, in this season. But then even beyond that, I mean, when was the last time you woke up on a Monday morning and thought, how am I going to pay our staff this week? Or I've never thought that. No, I mean, dude, the, I mean, the first chair, you know, there's a heavier responsibility to hear from the Lord. Right. There's a heavier responsibility when it comes to things in the organization, practical things, spiritual right. things, financial things. Um, you know, I, 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 rem, I was reminded of the old adage, you know, that maybe we've heard before, you know, he who holds the gold makes the rules. And a lot of times people are like, man, well, I can't wait to hold the gold. You know, I'm being the first chair. Then I can make the rules. Well, I, I thought right. he who holds the gold probably also loses a lot of sleep at night, you know? Right, um, right. And so just a, a different weight, man. And so I think sometimes being in the second chair, it's a blessing because you tend to be able to get to do a lot of the things that you feel called to do and you get excited to do um, while yeah. at the same time not having to carry the full weight. You know, honestly, we could stop the interview right there because like for someone listening today, that that's probably one of the, one of the greatest revelations that we could have born in our heart by interacting with this space leading second is the fact that if you're called to that, then God's going to grace you for that weight, right? If, if you, if, if you're, if you're anointed for that, there's going to be a grace that comes to carry it. But how often have we seen leaders in the middle desire that just simply because it's kind of celebrated and valued by culture or painted as like this pinnacle of success. And I, I, I've been, and I've been saying this a lot on this space lately, but see too many discontent in their call in this space when this may really be the place that a lot of us are called to occupy for the kingdom. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I, I couldn't agree more, man. The, 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 the first chair is not for everybody. 
And, uh, and sometimes, you know, the, the couple of things that maybe you're only reserved for the first chair at times, man, you, you also got to take into consideration the other weight that comes with the first chair. And, and for a lot of people, man, if you can find uh, contentment, come on, that's something that could be preached yeah. in churches. If you can find contentment and fulfillment in that second or third chair, man, it's probably, honestly, it's a, it's a blessing yeah. and it's a, it's a great thing if you can find it there. I often... I think my dream for this space, and I often imagine how potent could the church be if, if pastors, you know, were, were, were able to walk in their calling, were able to walk in their strength, but they had an army of people surrounding them that understood their role, you know, in, in, in the organization and in the kingdom of God. And and how potent could our churches be? If, if everybody walked in that revelation rather than everybody, you know, constantly starting over and trying to do their own thing. And I get that some are called to do it. And I, I have, I have helped many, some of our mutual friends included do just that, but yet how many more of us are actually called to this space? And, and I'm, I'm praying that, that our, you know, our mission is successful in just giving dignity to that space. So let me ask you this, then it does, the second chair does come with challenges. So what have you found most challenging about leading in the second seat? Yeah. Great. I think, um, I mean, I think it's gotta be, it's, it's gotta be the submitting, right? It's gotta be, <laughs> it's gotta be, uh, submitting. Like you, right. you don't always get your way in the second yeah. chair or the right. third chair or the fourth chair. Right. And it can be, it can be challenging at times when you're in the second chair, uh, when what you would choose to do or the way you believe is best, uh, was not the way that was chosen. Right. And, um, and, and now, you know, you're in a position where you got to submit and you got to go along with what was chosen for the team and what was chosen to advance forward, even if it wasn't what you would have recommended. And, uh, I, you know, thinking of submitting, I remember years ago, uh, I, I had this thought like submitting and hopefully this encourages a, a, a lot of the second chair leaders out there, but submitting isn't submitting until you disagree. Exactly. Exactly. Like, like, like truth be told, like when you, when you, when you're always agreeing with the first chair, you know, we, we obviously we call that agreeing, we might call it supporting, but it's truthfully right. not submitting because, you know, submitting even just as a word, it speaks to yielding, it speaks to right. uh, surrendering, it speaks to acquiescing, you know, it, it literally means that there's a difference in what I would have done and what is now being chosen. And now right. I need to submit to, you know, the spiritual authority who's in this first chair and, um, and nobody likes submitting like any, like, I don't know. I've never met the That's person right. who's like, Oh, I just love submitting. I, I always love it when I have an idea and it's never used, you know, like no one, <laughs> no one loves submitting, but, um, but those of us who are mature in Christ, I think we know that God honors it and, and God, right. uh, and it's a spiritual practice that we can obviously put into, into play in leadership at times. And so I, I believe the Lord honors it when we do submit to spiritual authority, but it can be the most challenging things at, at times. For yeah. You know what helped me with that space in terms of submitting and, and actually learning to appreciate its its role in our life is um, I think I realized that I valued succeeding too much and I valued I valued winning. I valued succeeding. I valued being the best. You know, I, I valued those things. And I actually realized that that wasn't um, what God had called me to do. Uh, he had called me to, um, do his will and, and, and then not that I wasn't called to succeed or win, but that was second to, first of all, his kingdom coming and his will being done. And I think when I felt, when I truly fell in love 
with God's will being done over my own perceived definition of success, I, I think I got a lot more content realizing, okay, I can lay this down if it means, if it means Jesus being first in my life. And it's, it's still difficult, like you said, but I think once you find the right framework for it, you know, you, you can, you can find a, I can find joy in that, you know, even, even though it's hard, I can find contentment in that. It's so, I mean, you know, you, you look at scripture, there's countless examples, you know, like, you know, there's Aaron with Moses, there's right. Barnabas with Paul, there's all of these men who, who sat behind the first chair, so to speak. Um, but they were, they're still vital individuals in God's right. story and what was playing out in that moment. And so I, I 100% agree, man, if you're in the second chair, I, I pray that you gotten that none of us would spend more hours in our week, uh, dreaming about the first chair, which is causing us to neglect where we're currently at. You know what I mean? And so, um, but, but submitting is, is a part of that at times it can be challenging, but at the end of the day, you can always know that God honors it. Um, whether or not the decision that was made was right or wrong has nothing to do with the submitting. Uh, you can put your head on the pillow at night knowing that, you know what, I, I came under spiritual authority today and God honors that. Beautiful. Beautiful. Okay. So I have a question I want to ask you and I'm going to start asking, I think every guest this, I've never asked this before. Um, and this, this can be on or off topic of leading second, but I would love to know what is the greatest leadership lesson you have heard taught in church? And it could be, it could be long time ago or something, but what's the greatest leadership lesson you've heard taught that has helped you the most in your leadership journey? I think, you know, when I was in Bible college, I think the first and greatest at the time, one that I, that really caught me, it's so simple. People listening to this are going to be like, really, that's it. But, um, uh, it was just that, that leadership, leadership starts now. Leadership starts right now. Mm. Like, like if you're looking for leadership, you don't always have to look to the stage to find it. And mm. so, you know, great leadership, it doesn't start out on the stage. It doesn't start out on a platform. It doesn't start out behind a big desk making six figures. It doesn't start out as mayors and CEOs and presidents and whatever. Like, right. like uh, I heard, I think Bishop T.D. Jakes said it one time, he said, leadership starts in the pews. And that mm. always stuck with me. You know, leadership can start even while you're making minimum wage. Uh, hmm. working nine to five jobs. And so, uh, because I, and I had this thought, it all kind of correlated back to, um, that Zechariah passage in, in chapter four, when it says, um, don't despise, don't despise the small beginnings. And that's a lot right. of us just will we'll preach that little first section. And that's good. That's good in and of itself. Don't despise the small beginnings. But then the second half of the verse says for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Right. Right. And I think that's even more powerful because I think many of us, we need to remind ourselves that like, God is not pleased with some future version of myself. Mm. Like, I think too many mm. of us believe that, man, once, once I can accomplish this stuff on my list, once I can, uh, I can, I can, I can be in the first chair. Once I can prove that I'm a somebody, man, then God's going to be up in heaven, giving me mm. a serious round of applause. Like, look what I've done in his right. name. Like, that's a fallacy. Like, like God rejoices when the work just starts. And so even if you're a young leader, maybe a more inexperienced leader, but you're just, you're just getting your start. You're, you're in the sixth or seventh chair right now, you know, <laughs> right, like, right. uh, God's still rejoicing at you stepping into leadership. And, um, and, and I just remember, you know, like some leaders, they're so busy trying to progress that they're neglecting where they are. And you, and you gotta be reminded, that's not how we progress. Like how you progress is you maximize where you that's are right. and that's how you get promoted to where you're going. And so just, just to give you an example, so I, you know, a little illustration, I grew up in a musical family. Um, 
all of us were, my parents were very musical. And so we didn't have an option as to whether or not we were going to play an instrument. It was like, which one are you going to start on? And so I started playing piano at a very young age. And I remember as my mom was teaching me to play piano, um, you know, you got to do your scales. That's boring. Just up and down scales, major scales, minor scales. I remember being young, hearing stuff on the radio, even songs at church. And I'd be like, mom, I want (laughs) to, I want to play that. Like, can you teach me how to play that? And, and there's an interesting principle right here, because if you can't master scales, right, you'll never be able to play that. That's right. That's right. And so I think that's a great leadership principle, right? So the question for all of us becomes, are you excellent? Are you a master at your current level? Because mm. if you're mastering your current level, then the next level can be available to you. And that's so, right. um, so the fact that leadership starts now, and uh, I don't have to worry about the next 10 years, I just got to worry about being excellent on the level that I'm at. That's right. So well said. And you've referenced this idea a couple times of like the sixth or the seventh chair. Man, I remember my days leading seventh, you know, like I re- I remember and, and um, you know, we called this space leading second. Um, but, but really we leading second is a revelation that anyone on the team can have, you know, you, you, you can be, you can be a first year intern, you know, you could be whatever you perceive to be some sort of a bottom rung, um, you know, leading seventh, if you will. Um, but but in in reality, this is a revelation that anyone can carry. And it's so funny to me because today I I enjoy great trust with my pastor. I enjoy great access with him. Um, the, I think really the relationship I dreamed of having, I, I, I now have. God has been really faithful to bring that um, into existence. Um, but I will tell you, it feels the same in my heart today as it did when I was leading seventh, you know, it, it, it feels exactly the same. It's it, nothing, nothing has changed. It's just God. And so I, I'm, I, as you're for anyone listening today, as you're hearing Clayton talk, I actually pray my, my, my heart over any one of these conversations is that this revelation, um, is, is being born, uh, continually in your heart. Yeah. So while we're here talking about leadership, um, I think another thing that's important that a, a lesson that I had to learn was, you know, leadership is a desire to resolve conflict. That's, that's mm. at the end of the day, what it is like. So when you say, man, I you raise your hand, I want to be a leader. You're raising your hand and you're saying, God, bring me conflict. Wow. Like wow. I, I, I want to help resolve conflict. You're asking for trouble. And if you think about um, leadership positions, even in the corporate world, um, you know, the, the higher you go up the corporate ladder, the more money you make, right? Everyone wants to make more money. Why are they paying you more money? They're paying you more money to handle more conflict. Wow. Because the higher you go, the more people are now under you. And with more people comes more drama, more conflict. And uh, and so you got to understand that that this desire in many of our hearts to, to keep going to the next level. Sometimes that's a good thing. And God put that there. Don't, don't you don't have to be ashamed of it, but just know that the higher you go, the more right. conflict you will then have to help uh, resolve. And I've met right. leaders at times, some, some young, some old, but, but young in leadership. And, um, and some of them, they have a great desire to want to, to go up the ladder and, and, and get closer to that first chair but the problem is, is they're, they're not leading themselves very well. You know, they're, they're right. late to meetings, right. they're, they're right. gossipy, they're unreliable. And it's like, if you can't even handle the conflict that you create, you know, like, how are you going to handle the conflict that others create under, under you? And so, uh, so I think it's an important thing to remember 
that the higher we go in leadership, the more conflict uh, that is, is going to come to our doorstep that we have to have the maturity uh, and the grace to handle. Beautiful. Well said. And I think bottom line is you don't want to get there prematurely. If, 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 if God has more for you, no force in hell will stop you from getting there. You, you know, like God's will will be accomplished. I think that's even why we're taught to pray that way. First and foremost is, is, is that his, his will will be done. And man, God is more than able to get you right where he wants you. But I think, I think one of the worst things that happen is when we get there prematurely in, in our time, you'd rather than his, because then you, we expose yourself to everything you just mentioned. That, that was so well said. And, and, um, may not be ready to handle the the toughest moments um, that, that you don't even see coming. In fact, I guess just really quick note, and then we'll move on. I keep saying we're going to move on and we don't. Um, when, when I, when I talk to second chair leaders, I hear them say something like, I, I feel like I'm supposed to plant a church or be a lead pastor. I say, okay, great. Awesome. But then we go through a little bit of a, of a reality check conversation of, do you enjoy, do you enjoy studying? 15 to 20 hours a week. Do you enjoy um, thinking about buildings, <laughs> you know, yeah. constructing them, renting them, renovating them? You know, do you enjoy thinking about HR? Do you enjoy, you know, as you start going through the list, because I think sometimes we, we, we glamorize the first chair and we think we, we, we think it's something that it is. And there's, there's certainly wonderful moments of it, but I think we oftentimes don't see, I think our pastors spend way more time thinking about the buildings that we meet in than we realize they do, you, you know, how to, how to pay for them, how to build them, how to renovate them, how to move, how to, you know, how to expand. And, um, you know, I, I think I decided a long time ago, I don't want to do that. I, I want to, you know, and I get the, I get the privilege and the freedom of getting to minister because I'm under the covering of a pastor who's, who's, Who's building that for us and supplying? How, how how beautiful is that? And, and freeing, isn't it? Oh, it's it's amazing. It's amazing. But yet you expose yourself to more, and and if you're graced for it and you're called for it, God will, man, God will give you every resource you need to walk in it and handle it. But if you're not, I don't think that's something you want to expose yourself to, um, because you'll 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 realize the weight very very quickly. Okay, changing topics. I, I want to talk for a few minutes about leading in our our current season it's been been said ad nauseum at this point you know the last 18 20 months have, have, have been a challenge and i'm of the perspective that um the landscape we're in is here to stay some someone can disagree with me on that but but i i think it's better and it's wiser for us to assume that this season we're in is going to be here for for a clip you know, and, and this is now, this may not be what you asked for, what you went to Bible school for, what you prayed for, but this is now like the reality and the landscape that we find ourselves leading. And I think our pastors have had to come to that realization. I think church teams are coming to that realization. You posted something recently that it was a quote by A.W. Tozer. And, and I'm just going to read it because I thought it was really good. And I'd just love for you to talk about this for a minute. The, the quote goes like this, a whole new generation of Christians have come up believing that it is possible to accept Christ without forsaking the world. In other words, this idea of, of receiving Jesus without following Jesus, you know, or I even heard it said years ago, asking Jesus to um, follow you rather than you following him. And, and, and 
I guess I would love to hear you talk for a minute on the current climate we are leading in and your perspective on like, like the, the, the mindset that leaders need to have in this season. Yeah. I, that, um, yeah, that Tozer quote, I, uh, I referenced that it must've been a couple, maybe even two years ago. Now I, I, I preached a message in our church. Um, and I was talking about some of these exact things, um, and, uh, about people, uh, the desire people in, in this current generation, we, we have a desire, like we all see the need for savior Jesus. You know, we don't, we don't want to go to hell. I want to be saved. I want to go to heaven. Um, but we don't like leader Jesus. We don't like Lord Jesus. Right. Um, and I, and, and so I began to, to unpack this with our church, you know, on, on our Sunday morning services and, and talk about this. And I, I went back and I referenced Isaiah chapter 55, Isaiah 55, I think it's around verse eight, nine. It, it says, you know, it's that passage. It says, for your thoughts are not my thoughts. And right. then he says, and your ways are not my ways. Um, mm. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your mm. thoughts. Um, so the scripture tells us two things, right? Number one, God has a different thought. Uh, he, he thinks differently than us. And, uh, and, and I mean, sometimes it's hard to believe, like, if, if you ever wonder, is anyone out there ever thinking about me more than me? Yes. And the answer is Jesus, God. He right, thinks about right. you more than you even think about yourself. And then the other part is, is he has a different way. Um, and so he, he thinks differently and his ways are different than our ways. And so I, as I was unpacking this with our church, I think we have to remind ourselves as Christians and communicators of the gospel, right? We have to remind people who are listening to us right. that God does not just call us into something new, right? His family, righteousness, right. salvation, right. his kingdom, but simultaneously he's calling us out of other yes. things, unrighteousness, yes. immorality, selfishness, pride, patterns of sin. Um, and, and, and so like both of those ideas need to constantly be communicated because right. if not, then people will, they'll, they'll just by default, get this idea that like, okay, so Jesus is calling me into his family but they don't understand that I also have to leave this other stuff um, that, that is not good for me, that ultimately seeks to, to destroy me. And so Jesus is not just okay with being your savior. He wants to be your Lord. That's and right. a Lord, I mean, think about like, um, go back to history class, right? And, and like medieval times, you know, and Lords, right? I mean, a, a Lord has authority. A Lord is That's a right. decision maker. A Lord is a master, a leader, uh, a power, an overseer. Um, but but if you're back in the medieval times and, and you were in a town, a village that had a Lord, um, right. yes, he was all of those things to you. But at the same time, you get the blessing of protection. You get the blessing of, of having shelter and, and favor and care and safety. Yep. I mean, this is assuming your Lord is a good Lord. Um, you, you get the blessing of all of that stuff That's when, right. when you come under his lordship. And so this idea uh, that Jesus, he doesn't just think differently, but he has a different way. And so ultimately what I propose to our church is, is I said this, I said, you know, so follow me on this. Um, the way that God is thinking about you, he has these thoughts about you, constant thoughts, precious thoughts, numerous thoughts, um, thoughts about your future that are far better than anything you could have created on your own. Um, there is a way that will get you to the fulfillment of the mm. thoughts that he is having about you. Right. But it's not your way. That's so it's good. It's his way. If you ever want to see those thoughts fulfilled in your life, you got to do life his way. That's right. And at times, that's going to mean you yield to what he would rather you do. At times, it's going to mean you say no to certain things that are immoral, unrighteous, selfish, 
yep. want to harm me or my family. Uh, and, and the world doesn't like that. So I know the question was like leading in this current day and age. And that's the problem. The world doesn't like it. We want to be our own God. We want to be our own Lord. Uh, a lot of us try to be our own savior. But even sometimes if someone's willing to accept, I can't save myself, they still want to try to lead themselves. Yep. Jesus says, I want to save you and I want to lead you. That's right. And, and I, and you, you said it so well. And I think the reason I wanted to bring that specific quote and that point out is, is this is the leading second podcast. So we talk a lot about authority. We talk a lot about living under godly authority, but I, I think one of the greatest dangers to leaders, young leaders today, and, and the mentality we can buy into is this idea of self-authority. I think, I think it's very, very dangerous and it's prevalent and it's everywhere and we, we won't get real deep probably on that conversation right now, but, but the idea that I am my own Lord and, and that, that self-actualization is my ultimate goal, it, it's dangerous. It'll take you away from the foot of the cross. It'll take you away from a biblical worldview, but it's everywhere. And, and I think it's, it's always been there. Like you mentioned, we, we've been teaching on this for years, but it's erupted in the last 18 months. It, it, you, you just see it everywhere. And, and too many are falling prey to this idea of self-authority. So yeah, following, following the king in his kingdom is not real popular right now. You, you can't do what the world does and get what the word says. That's yeah, not so how, it, how it works. So and and I, I shared this with a friend of mine the other day as we were talking about some of these things. I grew up in the 90s, right? I was a child in the 90s. I was born <laughs> like in the early 80s. So I'm, a, I'm pretty much a kid in the 90s. And uh, I remember going to like buffets after Sunday church. Like maybe that was just in the South, but we would always go to the buffet, right? And everyone loved the good buffet in the 90s. And the reason you loved it is because you had the power to choose. You could have as much of whatever you wanted and as little of whatever else that you wanted, right? And so, you know, if, you're, if your plate was like mine, it was just mac and cheese primarily. And so, um, <laughs> but, but listen, we can't approach the Bible like that. The Bible is not a buffet. The That's Bible right. is not meant for people to flip through its pages and say, you know what, I'm going to take a little bit of this, yeah. but I don't really like it when Jesus said that. So I'm going to leave that off the plate. But I, oh, but this bit over here, oh, I really like that. It's not something that we pick and choose from. Now, you can do it if you want to do it, but I can't promise you it'll lead to your wholeness. And so that's, that's right. why we have to always remind ourselves God has a way. He has a way. He wants us to yep. do marriage, raising our kids, relationships, money. Like uh, He has a way in that's Scripture right. for everything. That's if right. you ever need to know, how does God want me to do this? There's a good chance you'll find it in Scripture. And, uh, and when we abide by His ways, we get the blessing that comes with that. So one more interesting layer about this season is we we have this dynamic. Again, it's always been there, but it just feels really hot right now. And that is this idea that we are leading in a season where people are more easily offended. Let, let's just let's just go here for a second. Don't get I, me I, started, I, Brandon. <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, younger people and and leaders aren't used to people telling them no. You know, I, I remember Lindsay and I were just talking about this the other day and I don't mean I'm, I'm old. I'm, I'm born in actual 1980. Like, like, you know, so I'm, I'm with you on all this, but like our, our day of interning back in church life, it was not pretty. It was not well structured. It was probably kind of harsh, you know, um, but it formed us. Yeah. You know, I got really used to people telling me no, really used to people telling me to slow down. You know, and so it's, it's, it, I feel like I don't see that, that like grit 
as often anymore. And, and I, I think churches are, are getting bolder and clearer. I'm really liking that about this season, to be honest. Um, I've, I've really enjoyed, especially at my own home church, seeing some real clarity around the kingdom come to our preaching and our message out of our church. But yet that, that truth offends the world. And so we just live in this season of, of constant potential offense. So what does it look like in this season to lead with truth and grace? Like, like, like how, how can we lead like that in this season? Yeah. Well, and to what you just said, I mean, shout out to pastor Kevin Gerald. I think he like, you know, even before we jumped on here together, we were talking about some, uh, some guys in the nation right now. I think pastor Kevin's doing as good a job as anyone at, at yeah. bringing truth in this very he difficult is. and trying last couple of years of our nation. Um, so I applaud him. Thank you so much, pastor Kevin um, and, and others alike who are doing that. But, you know, for me personally with, with offended people, I think here's where we're at. I find myself having to constantly remind people of a true definition of love yes, because yes. love doesn't mean you never get corrected. You never get rebuked. You never get That's disciplined. Right. I mean, just right. If, if we all say we, we like scripture and we believe it like Proverbs three, Hebrews 12, God corrects those that he loves. Right. That's right. And I think too many people in church these days, they get offended when they get corrected, they, they get That's offended, right. uh, when, um, when, you know, something happens and, and, and they don't like it. And That's so right. listen, don't be offended. Be thankful. Be thankful that somebody, a pastor right. in your life or somebody loved you enough to not want to see you walk in disobedience and down yes. a path yes. that's ultimately going to hurt you and bring harm to you. Be thankful that someone loves you enough to point out an issue in your life that maybe yes. doesn't look like Jesus. Uh, don't, don't be offended at that. Be, be glad, go home. And instead of, getting five other people to gossip about that person. And, Oh, I can't believe they said that to me, go home, get on your knees and say, God, I'm so grateful that you actually have someone in my life that said that to me. It was a so total good. blind spot. And I never would have yep. seen it had this person not loved me enough uh, to say it. And I thought about this too, you know, the truth, the truth tends to only offend people who live outside of it. That's right. That's who it offends. That's right. And, and biblical truth, it will offend. There's actually no getting around that. If you're going to preach the gospel, you're going to offend people. It's going to happen. That's what that's what the Bible does. And, and think about this. Why does the Bible offend? Here's why it offends. Because it defines things. The mm. Bible defines things. Mm. I, 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 wrote, I wrote a couple of things down as I was thinking about this thought. It defines sex. It defines gender. Yep. It defines marriage. It defines right and wrong and salvation. It, it, it defines all of these things. So watch this. If you're a hearer, and your definition is not the same as that biblical definition, well, then you're automatic, you're going to be offended. That's because right. here's something else. Here's an, an ancient document, a book, right? God, right? Who's trying to now impose a definition that I do mm. not agree with. And now I'm offended. And yeah. so that's why people get offended at scripture, because it seeks to draw lines uh, where there need to be lines and it defines things. And, and that's what we're seeing in culture right now. And I mean, honestly, that's what's happening. This is what's happening in culture right now. If you don't like the definition, well, then I'm just going to change it. And so now people are changing the definition of words that have had a certain definition and connotation for centuries. But now we're just like, well, we don't like that anymore. We're just going to change the meaning of that word. And it's really crazy, but but the, the Bible's not changing definitions. And the Bible brings a, a, a clarity, uh, a definitiveness when it comes to certain things. It's very plain and simple at times uh, when it comes to its principles and precepts. And either you want to lean into that 
and, and be obedient to it or you don't. But if you don't, you're probably going to be offended. Right. So true. So true. Let me ask you this because I'm, I'm working on this question for a message right now. So you can help me study here for a second. Um, okay. So we have a season right now where some, some pastors are taking a route that's quite bold and we have some pastors that are not, and I'm not here to criticize. I'm, I'm, I'm here to, um, offer the thought that your, your pastor could be in a variety of camps right now. Not, not all ministries and voices are created equal, nor should they be, you know, there, there's different gifts, different parts of the body right now in this season that I think, I think, um, we, we need the whole orchestra of voices right now. So, um, this is not to say, well, your pastor needs to be less bold or more bold or, you know, whatever, but, but here's my question for you. Um, how do we best support our pastors in what they are saying or not saying in this season? And then here's the second part of the question. What do you do if, if you're a bit different than your pastor? I mean, what do you do if you're, you want to be bold and your pastor's not, or, or your pastor's really bold and you, and it's, it's, it's terrifying you, you know, to, I'm I'm wrestling through like how do we best support our pastors in this season because I think some new rifts have shown up that we weren't used to um before this. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, it totally makes sense. I think, you know, for me it's it's um I'm king I'm I'm kingdom first. And I know kind of maybe perhaps where you're wanting to go with the conversation and and so like I'll just say it. I'm I I I I vote in elections, but I'm kingdom before I'm a political party. That's right. And That's and right. so and so at times uh, at times, neither party perhaps represents the That's kingdom right. value that I believe in or, right. and, and, and the direction that perhaps goes with that. And, and so because I'm kingdom first, if my pastor is preaching kingdom principles and precepts, well, then I'm, I'm with that. Um, now, now, if if you're in a church and you're a leader in a church and your pastor has, you know, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but if he's strayed away from kingdom and he's and he's starting to preach more one-sided politically and, and really maybe that's not kingdom culture, well, then that's a different issue altogether. And perhaps that can be a reason to sit down and have a conversation as a leadership team or whatever that looks like in the context of where you're at. But, um, but as long as my pastor is always preaching kingdom, now sometimes that's maybe that's, that's harsh. It's going to feel harsher in some seasons than others um, because of maybe what is happening culturally. But if it's kingdom, I can get behind it, but I, I right. you know, I had this thought the other day as as we've been navigating the last two years, just like every other church. And you know, when it, when it comes to people being offended as to what's coming out of pulpits, listen, if our main filter, I'm a preacher and teacher just like you are, and just like many of the listeners, I'm sure are. If my main filter when I'm preaching God's word is uh, let me not offend anyone, then at some point I will end up not being faithful to God's word. Man, that's because so good. Because it offends just by its very nature, and ho- hopefully people are tracking with me. Like the the, the truth of it uh, offends in some way. Because if my filter is, well, all right, let me let me, how can I deliver this message but not offend anybody? Then at some point, what I'll end up doing is I'll be delivering some half truth, some abbreviated truth, because the whole truth would offend, and that's, that's what right. I can't do as a faithful servant and communicator of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I can't do that. Um, now I'm not going to get up in the pulpit and say, let me pick a fight today. I don't seek to pick a fight. I seek to deliver the truth. And I'm going to try to do that. in as loving and graciously of a way as I, as I can. Um, but I think if you're serving under a leader right now, who's being bold in their pulpit, uh, the first question you have to ask is, 
Are they still preaching kingdom? Are they still preaching Jesus? Is this still truth? And if it's truth, even though it might kind of set me on edge or I'm a little like, oh, is this the right time to say that? Uh, that's between that leader and the Lord. Like that's right. As the, as the first chair leader, they can discuss that with God as to whether this was the appropriate time or not. My filter is, is this Beautiful. kingdom and is this on track with what scripture says? Man, we just got to know each other today and you don't even know how, how similar we think about this stuff. It's amazing. I, I loved everything you just said. Co Co-sign on that. Hey, I've, I've really appreciated you today, Clayton. Thank you for, thank you for not just being on here with us today. Thank you for leading strong. Thank you for, for having a really clear voice. I know it's helping so many. Um, let me just lob up a final question for you. Um, just simply this. What the time you want, man. <laughs> what is your greatest prayer for the local church in this season? Like what, what are you on your knees asking God to do in his church right now? I feel like because of what we've seen in the last couple of years and the transitions that have taken place uh, culturally, civically, uh, and in our churches, um, I think my prayer and what I found myself coming to the Lord with often is, God, I for the church, like the capital C church, God, let us move from just being a house of inspiration to houses of preparation. Because I mm -hmm. think like, here, here's what we found. And, and you and I were even talking about this before we kind of came on and, and hit record is a lot of us in our churches, right? We, we were great houses of inspiration. People would come mm. on the weekends and they would join us and we would have great, you know, orators who would deliver inspiring messages and people would get full of faith again and, and all that. And that's great. Like I, I'm for that. You know, I, I want to do that. I want to inspire people. But then all of a sudden the pandemic hits, crazy political stuff hits, really divisive stuff in culture hits. And now what we've seen is we've seen people who have not even come back to church. And so all of these inspired people that were just inspired weekend after weekend after weekend after weekend, apparently that inspiration wasn't enough hmm. to get them back after all that has transpired. So if so, for me, it just had me asking myself the question, is inspiration alone enough? Wow. Like there's got to wow. be something deeper. And so I believe, Lord, we want to continue to inspire people because we do see the value in that of people being right. encouraged and their faith increasing. But I believe in this next season for the church, we got to be houses of preparation. In other mm. words, we have to teach people. We have to prepare people for what it's going to be like to be a follower of Jesus Christ in the days that lie ahead of us, mm. because it's going to look different than being a follower of Jesus in the days that our parents lived in. And so our houses, our Sunday mornings, and, and, and my personal persuasion is we just can't leave the preparation talks for like the, the random Tuesday night Bible study that you can go to in the back room of the church. Like we need to be, bring the preparation talks and the teaching to Sunday morning main stage um, because we got to teach a generation of what it's going to look like to, uh, to be prepared in this next season because uh, it might be more costly as a Christian than in previous generations. Man, uh, yes, it is going to cost us something. And I, going back to something you said a minute ago, I think our ultimate goal just has to be to be found faithful. Yeah. You know, fa fa faithful before God. If, if that is our primary target, I think, I think we'll win and we'll get there. So, hey, thank you so much, my friend. Love you. Appreciate you um, giving us some time today. 
Thanks, man. I really appreciate the invitation, man. And uh, I'm going to be recommending Leading Second to everybody. I think this is uh, vital uh, for so many young leaders and people sitting in uh, that second chair. So thank you so much. Well, come back soon and talk with us, man. We'd love to have you. God bless. information, check out our website at leadingsecond.com. Follow us on Instagram at leadingsecond and join us on the Leading Second Collective on Facebook. Facebook.